Heroes are known to be brave. Heroes are known to be strong and selfless. But the heroes we read about in the Bible were not always heroic. They were not always strong. They were not always even selfless. The heroes we know in the Bible. Most of them were just people like you and me. They felt discouraged. They made mistakes. And sometimes they felt like quitting. The heroes in the Bible. But they had one thing in common. Abraham, Moses, Sarah, they all believed God. Maybe you are here or maybe you are watching us online and you feel discouraged or, or, or you feel discouraged by something or someone. Perhaps you feel hopeless and you don't know what step to take next. The audience in the book of Hebrew was in the place of despair. They were about to abandon their faith. They, are, they, were, they were about to quit. They were on the verge of giving up. The writer explains to them what it means to live by faith. The writer of the book of Hebrew explained to this congregation, to these people who were about to quit, just like you, just like me, sometimes we feel like quitting. Or maybe that's where you are today. I have a word for you this morning. Let's go in the book of Hebrew, chapter 10, 35 to 39. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what has promised, what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. They are told, do not give up, because the righteous one will live by faith. No, do not give up, because the righteous will live by faith. According to the scripture, Faith is not an emotion that comes and goes. According to the scripture, faith is something, whatever it is, whatever faith is, it should be a lifestyle and not an experience. It should be what you live by. Faith should be a value to live by and not just an emotion that you feel faithful or you don't feel like faith, believing. No, faith should be a lifestyle. Faith should be how you wake up, how you live your day, how you go to bed, because the righteous shall live by faith. So what, what is righteousness? Righteousness is the right standing with God. The right standing with God. Who is the righteous one the Bible is talking about? A righteous person has the right standing with God. <laughs> the person who has the right standing with God, they are justified. They are without sin in the eyes of God. Those people who are without sin in the eyes of God, the people who are justified by God, they shall live by faith according to the scripture. So how do you become righteous? Again, by faith. By faith, you become righteous. Oh, I'm relieved. It is by faith we become righteous. 
Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham believed God, believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Just his faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Abraham's faith made him righteous and not his actions. So I would like you to follow this. But he acted righteously because he believed. It is not the act of leaving his hometown or giving away his son that impressed God. I've heard many people say God was really impressed by the fact that he asked Abraham his son. And Abraham just gave away his son and God was like, wow, can you do that? No. That was not the reason why God was impressed by Abraham. Why? Because in those days, people were giving away their sons and their daughters to their God. It was a common practice. So it was not impressive to God. Abraham left his hometown. It is common to people to leave their hometown for different reasons. For business, for economic reasons, for... Different reasons, people, for you fell in love with someone and you move where they live. It's not surprising people to leave their hometown. So God was not really impressed because he left his hometown, but because he... No, 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 anyone can do those things. Anyone can do those things. God was not impressed by his actions. God was rather impressed by Abraham's faith in him. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Those who have been made righteous by faith should continue to live by faith. You become righteous by faith and you continue to be righteous by faith. You do not only become righteous by faith, you also stay righteous by faith. Faith does not only give you righteousness but also keeps you righteous. Faith. And that's what happened to Abraham. His faith made him righteous and kept him righteous. God is looking for faith in you. God is not impressed by your good works. I'm sorry, I have to say it. God is not impressed by your good deed. He's looking for faith in you. Or at least acts of faith. Those are acts that are produced by faith only. In you. Let me explain that. Acts of faith are what you do because God loves you. Acts of law are what you do because you want to be loved by God, to be loved by God. Acts of law are preceded by have to. Acts of faith are preceded by get to. Acts of law are obligations. Acts of faith are opportunities. And that's what Abraham did. When you do something because you have to do it, it feels like a chore. It's an act of law. God is not pleased by it. When you serve him, when you give to the poor, when you go to church because you have to accept my children, it is an act of law. They got it. My children should go to church, no matter what, even if it's an act of law. Because they have to. One day they will go because they get to. Yes. 
Act of faith is what you do because it's an opportunity. You get to do it. Act of law is what you do because you want to please God. You, you, you do it so that God can love you. So the difference is in the motivation. So what faith? Let's define faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. If faith is the reality of something, what is reality? What is reality? How do we know something is real? How do we define real or reality? I used to think that faith stems from imagination. I used to think that. You picture something and convince yourself that the thing is real and expect it to happen. That's how I thought faith works. You imagine something, you picture it in your mind, and you kept telling yourself, you keep telling yourself that it will happen, it will happen, it will happen, it will happen, then you have faith. But that did not work for me. God told Abraham that he'd become the father of nations, and Abraham put his faith in the promise giver. Let, let me read that. Let me support my argument with the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, coheres of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was not imagining. He was following a promise. Abraham did not simply believe in the promise. He believed in the promise giver. The object of Abraham's faith was not the fatherhood of nations. He did not believe he would become a father to nations. He believed God spoke. You see the difference? He believed God who promised. That's why Jesus did not tell his disciples only to believe. He told them to believe in God. God is the reality behind what we hope for. He's the reality behind what we hope for. He's the proof behind the unseen. Sarah did not become a hero of faith because she imagined having a child. She became the mother of nations by believing the one who had promised was faithful. Let's prove that. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring. Even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. She was not imagining having children. She heard from someone telling her, you will have children. And she believed in the promise giver and she walked with that. She believed God. She did not have faith in the promise. She had faith in the one who gave the promise. We often make the mistake of believing in something and then blaming God when things don't happen. We make that mistake most of the time. We believe in something 
And then when it doesn't happen, God, why didn't you give it to me? I did not speak. God answers. It's not me who told you it will happen. You imagined it. We said, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. The reality is God. What's hoped for is the promise. The proof is God. The unseen is the promise. The effectiveness of your faith is not dependent on how much faith you have. It's dependent on who you put your faith in. So watch this. A little faith in a big God produces great result. An immense faith in a perishable object produces disappointment. It's about who you put your faith in, where you put your faith in. Faith is tied to reality. What makes a promise real is the promise giver. A promise is as real as the character and the capacity of the promise giver. Stay with me, church. If I promise you $100, the reality of that promise depends on my capacity to give you $100. Do I have it? That's the first question you will ask yourself. If you think I have it, you'll, you'll trust me 50%. You'll halfway. The second, the, second, the second question is, do I want to give it to you? Is my character trustworthy? Whenever I promise to people, do I deliver? The promise depends on the ability of the promise giver and the capacity. I can have the ability, I can have the, the, the ability, but if I don't have the wish, the willingness to, I'm, on, I'm not going to do it. My character will compromise the promise. Or I can have the willingness to give you the $100, but, oh, I even forgot my wallet. I don't have it with me. So sorry, you can't get the promise. Why? Because I don't have the capacity. Capacity and character. God's character is unquestionable. His love, his good, and his kind. God's capacity is unbeatable. He's almighty. That's his name. Omnipotent. He can do all things. God deserves our trust. God is the reality behind every biblical promise. He's the reality be behind those promises. Hebrews 11, 6. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is not one of the things you need. It is the main thing you need to please God. Abraham was not perfect. He lied many times. The only thing that qualified him was his faith in God. Don't get me wrong. Good deeds don't save you, but saved people do good. Good deeds, good actions, good work don't save you. But saved people do good things. Those who are saved, they do good things. Why? Because they get to do it. It is by faith you become righteous and righteous people walk in righteousness. So without faith... You are displeasing God because you are challenging God's character and capacity. If you don't believe God, you are insulting him. You are telling him you don't trust his integrity. You are questioning his integrity. To not live by faith is to call God a liar. 
you are questioning his capacity and his character. That's why you don't trust him. Someone said, faith is acting as if God is telling the truth. But how do you know what God is saying? How do you know what God is saying? Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. The word of God created the universe. Two primary Greek words are translated as word in the New Testament. One of them is logos, which refers to the scripture. The scripture is the Bible. The word of God is called logos in the New Testament. And also another one is Jesus, the living word. He's also translated, uh, he's also called logos in Greek, translated as word of God. Another word that is translated as word of God is rema, which means the spoken word, the spoken word of God. So we receive a rema from God for a specific situation in a particular circumstance. But all rema from God is guided by his logos. Every word you hear from God, every specific word, is guided by his logos, by, by, by his written word. His spoken word is guided, is backed up by his written word. Even Jesus did not come to contradict the, the written word. He came to fulfill the written word. Because he is the word of God. He, did not, he can't contradict it himself. So the word of God, the rema, are you with me? The rema of God does not contradict the logos. But the rema is the specific word for a specific situation. Any prophetic word, any intuition, any word of knowledge, any advice from a friend, any direction from a parent, or preaching that I do here, that we do in the church, should never contradict the written word of God. If faith is living as God is telling the truth, then we should live as the Bible is true. If you don't understand the Bible, stay with me. The question is, do you trust the author? If you don't understand it. The issue is not that the Bible is complicated. The problem is we struggle to trust the author. Sometimes we just disagree with what we see. If you trust the author of the Bible and find some aspect you don't understand, what are you doing with what you understand is the first question. Let's assume that in the word of God, you have 50% of the things you understand. So we can agree that at least 50% of the things in the Bible are clear to us. Then comes the thing that, let's say 25%. This, is depend on, this depends on each one. 25% of the things that you need explanation. Okay, You need someone to teach you what, what they mean. Let's say those are the things we explain here at church. The 25% that when you read yourself, you don't get your head around them. So we, you come here so we can explain them to you. And there are 25% even after explanation. You don't get it. <laughs> like those things are just complicated. And some people will tell you we will know in heaven. It's just complicated. Like the, the question of Trinity. How does God, Spirit, Father, and Son work together? And who have, Okay. You can explain 100 times. I don't get it. Okay, let's say there 25% of the things like that, that we will never understand here on earth. They're still in the Bible. Do you trust the author? 
so that you can live at least by the 50% you understand, and then seek explanation for the 25% and leave the 25% trusting the author. Because he put it there, he knows why, I will trust him. Is that something you, you can do? Living by faith is taking what you can and live by it. The things that you can't, leave it to God. Don't reject the whole Bible because you don't understand some of the things in it. Or you disagree with them. The Bible is true even though you don't understand it. It remains true. Even you don't like it. <laughs> it remains true. Not every passage of scripture is applicable in every situation. That's where we need Rema. Erema is the word that applies to our specific situation. I've said it. Sometimes Erema from God speaks healing. God says, I will heal you. That's Erema from him. And sometimes Israema says, my grace is sufficient for you. I will use you in your infirmity. Will you still trust God when he says that? Paul prayed three times for healing prayed three times that God would remove it. And God came back to him. God was not silent. God came back to say, oh, I've heard what you are saying. Uh, Paul, can we talk? Let's talk, Paul. I heard what you said. I see, I see, I see your cries, but sorry, right? I'm not removing it. Oh, God, but your word says you will heal me. But I'm saying now. My grace is sufficient for you. Would you still trust God when he says that? You know, sometimes we blame God because we just stick to one passage of the Bible. But there are many, many aspects to the word of God. There are many. Logos is the whole written scripture. How about the Rema? He's saying to you now. How about that? Paul got to live with it. Sometimes he says... I will restore your business. You've lost everything. I'm bringing you back, back, and I will multiply seven times. And sometimes I, I, he's saying, leave that business. It's over. It's over. Next. That's why we don't have to ask God why. We have to ask him what's next. And I'm not, I did not come here to discourage the church. I came to encourage the church. Because if we come here and say, God will do it for you. God will do it for you. God will do it for you. What are we trying to do? We are trying to use God for our benefit. Faith does not force God to do something. Faith trusts God no matter the outcome. And even me as a preacher, I feel sometimes, I, God, I don't want that. I don't want to say it. Because I want to come here and say, God will do exactly what you are praying for, exactly the way you are praying for. But I will be lying to you. If I say, God will exactly do what you exactly want to in the exactly time, in the exactly. I'm deceiving you. Sometimes he says, no, 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 not that one. Are you still going to trust him when he says that? Faith does not get you what you want. It gets you where God wants you. Faith does not manipulate God. It trusts him no matter what. Faith does not force God's hand to do something. It trusts him 
that he will act in every situation. God will do something. That faith. God is present in this. God is present in this. Even when it looks dark, God is present in this. That is faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, king. But even if he does not rescue us, I hate that sentence. I don't like it when people say, even when God doesn't. But my liking, my disliking does not change the word of God. How I feel about it does not change the word of God. It is true. They said, even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your God or worship the gold statue you set up. Look at that faith. We know God will rescue us because he's a good God. And even if he doesn't, we'll still trust him. They trusted God as their savior. But they also trusted him as the one who holds their future in his hands. God finally rescued them from the fire. He did it. But even if he could, he didn't. We know that when you trust God to have your future, the future is always better than where you are. Because it's in God's hand. We should stop worrying about the future because it's in God's hand. I know hard and painful events raise Questions that cause doubt in our heart. Sometimes we fail to believe because of the hurts we've experienced. We doubt God because we feel abandoned by God. Maybe you are tired of God. Or maybe Christians or life in general, Christians have disappointed you. Take your pain to Jesus. It's okay to tell him, help me overcome my unbelief. Let me tell you a story, church. When I was teaching my princess Iris to ride a bike, we had a deal that she will focus on the road and I will be pushing her from behind. But she kept looking back. She kept looking back. And I asked, why are you looking back all the time? She said, I want to make sure you're holding me. So every time she was checking if I'm holding her, and every time she checks, she loses the, the, the balance. Every time she checks, she loses them. And I say, I'm here, I'm here. So I go to work harder because I, I can't go in the speed of the bike. When she accelerates, I have to run fast because I, I, when she looks back, she needs to see me there. And it was really a tough situation. I got to always hold her. And she started to gain confidence that I'm always there. I'm always there. And she started to focus on the road more and more than checking that I'm there. And one day she didn't know that I wasn't there anymore. And she kept going. I said, thank you, Jesus. She finally got it. She finally got it. She finally got it. You know what? God wants us to trust that he's got our back. God wants us to trust him that he's always there. He's not like me. He's not going to be limited by the speed of the, of the, of the bike. He will always hold you all the time. Stop looking <laughs> back. Stop looking back. He's there. He's holding you. God is holding you in every situation. Just trust that even in that, he's with you. He's with you. He's holding your back. Everywhere you go, God, he's holding your back. Would you trust him?
Why do I trust that he's holding my back? Because he says it. Because he's the reality behind the promise. He spoke the word and the universe came into existence. Can you trust him that his word is true? Living by faith is living as God is telling the truth. Living by faith is trusting the word of God even when we don't understand. Living by faith is trusting God and not necessarily the promise. You trust the promise giver, not necessarily trusting the promise. I have a question for you before I finish. What is the one promise of God in which God has been faithful to you? Do you have anything in your life that God has been faithful to you? Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. Can you remember one thing that you know it's promised in the Bible, it's promised in the word of God, and you have seen that fulfilled in your life? What is the one area of your life you need to surrender to God and trust him? What is one area in your life that you know you've been pushing on your own, you've been trying, and you've been really forcing God to do something? Can you just relax and let God be God in that area? What is the area of your life that feels like a darkest valley? Can you trust God because he's with you? He will hold you through that. He will move the mountain or he will give you the strength to climb the mountain. Can you trust him with your future? Can you trust God with the future? What promise of God you are still trusting God for its fulfillment. You are still trusting. You are, you've been praying for your healing. You've been praying for your breakthrough. You've been praying for your freedom. But you don't feel like it's happening. What is that thing in your life that you've been praying? Can you continue to trust? The, he, the, the audience in the book of Hebrew, they were about to give up. And, and the writer told them, do not give up. My just my righteous one shall live by faith. Faith is not something we experience on Sunday. It's not something we experience when we are praying. It's not something we experience when we are worshiping. Faith is a lifestyle. You trust God in the morning. You trust God when you go to work. You trust God with your bills. You trust God when you come back home. You trust God with your children. You trust God with your health. You trust God with your relationships, with your marriage, you, with everything. You trust God when you go back to bed. You trust God that you will wake up in the morning. And even if you don't, you still trust him 